Are you an early stage founder looking to grow your SaaS? The SaaS Doc Founder Membership is a private community of ambitious SaaS founders where you can get a support network of peers, connect with like-minded founders around the globe, and learn proven strategies from industry experts to help you scale up your SaaS. If you want to get access to peer groups, investor meetings, mentor hours, and more to help you scale faster together, then visit sasdoc.com forward slash founder hyphen membership to apply, or just go to sasdoc.com and go up to the header menu and click on memberships. And if in your application form, if it's right for you, mention the SaaS Revolution show uh, to apply for an exclusive discount. Find your SaaS tribe and thrive with the SaaStock Founder Membership. This podcast is sponsored by G2, the place for buying, selling, and reviewing software. All audiences aren't built equally. Learn to connect with interested and engaged buyers at the right time with G2 Buyer Intent. Uncover who's researching your product so you know when to reach out and what to say. Sell more and close bigger deals by sending personalized messages directly to buyers ready to talk tech. G2, smarter software decisions made together. Join the community at www.sell.g2.com slash It's not me driving the strategy or me setting the course necessarily. The way we operate is we uh, do quarterly planning, uh, yearly planning, and we debate everything, every feature we're going to launch, every big, bold product initiative we're going to do. And there are heavy debates. And I'm basically just the referee that ultimately has to make the decision on which course uh, we're going to take. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. Uh, Christian Reaver, CEO and co-founder at Pitch. Uh, welcome, Christian. Good to see you again. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, excited to be on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. First time on the podcast and first time in a few years that uh that well, i've seen you uh, you you spoke at sasdoc a few years ago in dublin mm-hmm. uh i think as we mentioned just before then when you're looking for that that next big idea and it looks like uh, you found that next big idea in uh, uh in pitch so looking forward mm-hmm. to talking a little bit more about that was there any truth in the in the rumors that uh, that that pitch was formed at sasdoc uh <laughs> that is a great question i think it actually the idea happened at sastock um uh, it took us a couple of months to to fully like put the pieces together and like uh develop a proper proper product strategy and stuff um but yeah it was born at sastock i think that was kind of the starting point for us to to start a new company we all went there uh to explore new ideas and get inspired. So good. thank you for that. <laughs> well, good, good, good to see that uh, um, uh, that happened and we can uh, uh, lay, lay a partial claim uh, to that. So um, uh, I will, we'll, we'll take shares in pitch uh, if uh, uh, <laughs> not too late. Probably too late now, but uh, we're good. So, but, well, Christian, um, not only, I mean, you, you're the co-founder of pitch, uh, you, you, uh, you know, co-founded Wonderlist as well, which, 
you, you know, had a, a, a nice, uh, you, you know, exit story to Microsoft, although they, I, I think they, they tried to shut it, shut it down. Are you looking to buy it back or you bought it back? Mm -hmm. um, uh, but well, I, I, I uh, unsuccessfully attempted to buy it back. That's okay. true. <laughs> Um, uh, well, we, maybe we, we can get into that, but we, we'll see. It could be a whole different podcast, um, how to <laughs> unsuccessfully buy back uh, companies that you've sold. But um, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, you, you know, uh, as a person first. So we obviously know that you're a serial entrepreneur, but who are you uh, as a person? Ooh, that's, uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, well, I'm 35 years old, born in East Germany, behind walls, uh, I discovered computers at a very early age because my mother um, had a computer that I was uh, able to play around with. I taught myself programming because I was super interested into building my own tools and and scripts. Uh, uh, I I don't know. I somehow always had the uh, ambition to become a founder and start something. Um, actually. Uh, I read a book uh, from Bill Gates. Um, I don't know. I think it's called Way Forward or something like that. Um, at the age of 15, 16. And then I was completely sold on, on uh, starting something big and trying to, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to build my own, own version of Microsoft, Apple, Google, but uh, based in Europe or headquartered in Europe, uh, let's say. And uh, yeah, that's really who I am. I, I'm a programmer at heart. I obviously am a product-driven founder. Uh, that's really, I think, my DNA. Because my superpower is identifying opportunities and bringing people together. And that's what I do all my life, I guess. <laughs> Very cool. Um, and uh, good, good to hear. So, and uh, trying to build european version of uh of, of microsoft and, and google i didn't i didn't know that but let's look into that uh, well mm -hmm. not that specifically but uh in terms of you've you've done this is the second time around right so you mm -hmm. build on the list so let's a, a quick like uh, a bit about your experience as there and then you know we talked about the idea of, you, you know uh coming out of sas stock half sort of like jokingly but in terms of like, how did you come to co-found pitch and what, what, why, why do it the second time around? Was it because with Microsoft buying the company, you realized that you hadn't built Microsoft and you, <laughs> you, you wanted to build a company that would buy Microsoft or something like that? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's weird to talk about it, but I never celebrated selling my company. I, it took me quite some time to get over it. I mean, I'm very grateful for everything that happened. Uh, being able to basically work on any kind of project I want, having financial independence, like that's awesome. Uh, while at the same time, I truly felt like I did not achieve anything. I lost my company, basically. Um, I was truly driven by trying to find the biggest possible opportunity there is. And we explored many different ideas and pitch really was the one we knowing that we were design driven software founders with a little bit of experience from the wonderless days. We thought this is a, this is a product category that we are excited about that can create meaningful impact. Like we like to say that pitch not necessarily is the most revolutionary type of product, but it can enable other companies to build revolutionary products if it succeeds. So 
that is the story. Um, it was a very pragmatic approach of doing a lot of market research, trying to understand uh, market dynamics, how software is going to evolve in the uh, over the next years and decades. And, and um, we saw the likes of Figma and Canva and Envision, Sketch and so on, like lots of new interesting design companies. And I think we had a as founders, we had an appetite for that category because we love design. But then we thought, actually, the the design category isn't is it's quite crowded. But the space for presentation software, we felt like is ready for disruption. It's it's ready for the next uh, generation of uh, presentation software. Um, we we learned that people have a love hate relationship with presentations in general and also with the tools. And we had hundreds of ideas for, for building a significantly better product experience. And that led to the idea of building the world's first complete platform for presentations. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm super excited about it. I think it's super exciting. Is it correct that uh, there's five co-founders for, for Pitch or around that mark? It's actually eight, uh, eight founders. Okay. Um, even, even more than I thought. So then the question there is that given that you're a second time founder, um, was that decision to have eight co-founders in any way reflective of your experience the, the, the first time? My, my gut or my assumption would have said, well, you know, having the experience, maybe you won't need so many co-founders uh, around you and, you, you know, potentially have fewer. But actually, is it the opposite? I'm just interested to know why eight co-founders. Again, very pragmatic. Uh, I uh, I was the one that had the idea of building a pitch, and then I was uh, was curious uh, who I could build this company with, and I reached out to the best people I've ever worked with uh, from my wonderless days, um, and I was um, I was trying to fill the gaps that I can fill. Like I wanted someone who can help me to build a great company culture and help me recruit our team. Uh, so, uh, I chose Vanessa as my co-founder to help me with exactly that task. Um, I knew that we're, we're going to build a software product with, mobile apps uh, and web technologies and I therefore reached out to uh, our former head of web development uh, at Wonderlist and our um, head of mobile from Wonderlist and I, I just got the best very best people together um, to start this company with and uh, some I pulled out of Microsoft others were uh, busy with like being at other companies um, and startups. Um, so yeah, it, I, I honestly, I have always started companies this way. So for me personally, it's not weird. <laughs> I know that usually you have like two or three people starting a company. For me, it's always a group of people. Wonderlist has also been started by six people. Um, um, at that time, it was a very funny story. Uh, I started the company behind Wonderlist myself. And then the first investor institutional investor said to me like i'm not gonna fund a business with just one founder like that's super weird and i was like yeah but i don't have co-founders uh wait i have like I, i'm gonna pick my 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 first five as co-founders let me ask them real quick if they are interested in becoming co-founders um and that was it that was the story and i offered everyone 
uh, a solid equity package uh, in in that business and we just did it together and uh it's always a blast to start a company with friends amazing good good stuff and, and uh, i guess microsoft didn't not sell you the business back because you took all the best staff uh, from wonderlist uh, <laughs> they were it wasn't that they were angry at you uh, uh on, on that um uh, but we, we we don't have to comment we can uh, uh we, we... <laughs> no I, honestly like there's there's no there's no drama involved in that uh i was generally um or genuinely uh interested in buying back the company and i wanted to uh turn that into a profitable niche uh saas company with hopefully millions of happy customers that was my intention of buying back wonderlist and i thought microsoft you get rid of wonderlist which you are probably afraid of shutting down because it's quite popular and you can take the team and build your own version of it that perfectly fits into uh the office 365 environment and I kind of solve a problem for you uh, by helping you to not shut down another successful product. Um, um, yeah, I think Microsoft had a strict policy uh, to not engage with me in any any <laughs> any conversations. So I took that public uh, as like my last attempt to um, to actually have a have a proper conversation. I had investors aligned that would have helped me to buy back the company if it would have been ex an expensive uh, uh, deal. Um, didn't work out. In the end, I started my own version of a Wonderlist successor, Superlist, um, which I co-founded. And another, it, it, it's a team of former, uh, former people on the Wonderlist team and also others that now built the successor. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm not mad in any way. I don't have any beef with Microsoft in any way. Like, there's there's no, there's no drama involved. Good, good, good. And and I was like getting back to uh, to, to pitch then. So mm -hmm. it was a couple of years from you know from idea, you know, in development to uh, to I think launching. Which uh, again, my facts are correct. Maybe was it last year that you uh, you actually sort of launched the product? Exactly. We launched it in October 2020, um, and the company has been founded in January 2018. Um, yeah, so, uh, well, I mean, starting a company the second time uh, is, is a lot easier. Um, like, I like to compare it with actually becoming a first-time parent. Uh, like, when I uh, became a first-time father, Uh, my perspective changed on everything. Um, and all of the sudden I knew, I understood it's not just, life is not just about me. Uh, actually, now I have to take care of others. Um, and the moment I became a second time father, I realized like, huh, this is kind of like the same. <laughs> um, and uh, a lot of uh, processes of raising a child are repetitive. Um, so when you start a company uh, the second time, Uh, you are much better equipped. Uh, and it started with choosing the right co-founders um, and uh, yeah, really hiring the right people very early on, people you have already worked with. So everything I think for a second time founder is a little bit easier. It's There's absolutely no guarantee in uh, in succeeding in the end. Like 
uh, any company you you're starting any startup can go up in flames at any time so i i think uh, i'm an optimist optimist by nature and uh uh i think we we have all the right ingredients to succeed with pitch in the long term and obviously we're doing well right now um but yeah um it's easier but not not guaranteed success unfortunately well well let's look into uh, again this is really i guess the, the central kind of theme mm -hmm. of, of this podcast and like it, e it being easier the second time around the, the advantages maybe some of the shortcuts the things that you the levers that you you know how to pull kind of like this time and uh, and so mm -hmm. on and and thinking that like we might have a lot of first time founders listening to this podcast or probably predominantly mm -hmm. um how some of the the advantages or the lessons that you have in doing it second time round could be also applicable uh, to them mm -hmm. uh, as well. So like if, if we go into it, so first of all, one of the things I've noticed is that um, you've raised an incredible amount of money in a very short space of time uh, for, for mm -hmm. pitch, right? Uh, 137.7 million, uh, I, I, I think, according to Crunchbase. Um, mm -hmm. And you, it was 35 million for Wonderlist, uh, I, I believe, right? Um, yes, roughly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what is it that you can share with this in mind around money, around fundraising, that's helped you raise bigger and faster than the first time around? Obviously, I mean, part of it is if you're a successful, if you've had an exit, if you're a second time founder, I think often it, the VCs are much more interested because they, they say, okay, you know how to do it, right? There's one, exactly. I, I guess there's kind of one, one thing, maybe the main thing, but what what else is there, if, uh, if anything, that helps you raise more faster um, uh, the second time around? <laughs> well, uh, it, it's not just the fact that um, we have done this before in some capacity. It's also the the market conditions are uh, completely different. The the first time we've raised funding for for Wonderlist uh, was like I had no idea what uh, uh, venture capital is, and the first angel invested a hundred thousand euros for twenty percent of the business. Uh, that is today you you don't see those types of deals anymore um but at that time in 2010 it was a great deal and we benefited benefited tremendously from that investment and learned a ton um times have obviously changed um with pitch um i actually aimed to bootstrap the business this time um and again, I failed at that, I guess. <laughs> um, so uh, we explored a couple of ideas uh, because we weren't sure what is the biggest idea. Um, pitch was one, and then we had a we had an idea for uh, building a, a new type of uh, recruiting software uh, and a couple of other ideas. But pitch was the one from, that from the beginning we were the most excited about. Um, but even though I had the idea, I also said, I think this is a terrible idea. Uh, I, I don't know how we can monetize this product uh, and really grow it. Can we really compete with something like PowerPoint? So the, the strategy we chose was let's spend six months on this. Let's explore product designs, uh, the tech stack. Let's talk to other investors, friends to really develop a, a well-informed opinion about this opportunity that we obviously see and feel, but maybe that helps us to 
better understand if it's if it's a real opportunity or if, if it's an illusion. Um, and I think the, the advice I would give founders is to not get overly excited about an idea. I have literally product ideas, 10 ideas a week. Um, but I only execute <laughs> one idea uh, per decade, I guess. The way we've done this is we, we learned from Wonderlist uh, that because we were one of the first applications in the App Store and the App Store was a new thing while we built our company, we uh, have grown on the back of Apple and the back on the back of Google and App Stores. Um, but at that time, when, when we sold the company, I felt like consumer software is not so interesting anymore. So I would love to explore uh, a B2B SaaS product, ideally with a consumer angle where individual users could also use this product and do great work in. Um, and we looked at all big categories, spreadsheet tools, text collaboration. So like Notion, Coda, um, Airtable, uh, and then we looked at uh, design tools. And that's really where we got inspired. Uh, we thought uh, the, the market for designers is relatively small on its own. We thought like maybe you have like 10 million digital designers on this planet. Um, and, and thought there are pro there's probably a bigger market to, to focus on. And we knew some of the numbers from, uh, PowerPoint from Microsoft days and thought like that is a gigantic market. Basically every company in the world is, uh, making very business critical decisions based on the output of presentation software. Um, if we can build a product for that market and just gain 10% of market share in 10 years, we would be we would probably become a multi-billion dollar business. And yeah, so the story really was uh, exploring different ideas, then giving it six months uh, to get started. Uh, in the end and in the end, I think it only took like three months to to really know, okay, pitches in it. It's a great opportunity. It's a cool brand. We also developed the brand pitch in that time. Um, we really have an idea how to how to build a valuable product for, uh, for our customers. Uh, we understood how to monetize it. We understood that presentations are meant to be shared and therefore we are building a product that basically sells itself if it's good enough. Um, and then ultimately after three months, we understood, okay, this idea and opportunity checks all the boxes. And then when it came to fundraising, uh, I had a very simple intention. I wanted to own as much as possible for as long as possible uh, in this business. I, I going to finance this business on my own from the money I made with Wonderlist. Um, and uh, what happened then was that I, uh, I would say I, I, th I, I thought I, I'm simply receiving outrageous offers that are too hard to resist. Um, um, the, the, the first the first check we've got was, uh, I think, on a 20 million euro valuation. And I was like, wow, uh, like going back to my example from Wonderlist, uh, the $100,000 $100, check or 100,000 euro check um, uh, for 20% of the business, like times have changed. Mm -hmm. And then it was just a very... Uh, 
very business oriented uh, decision I had to make. Like, am I going to put millions of uh, uh, euros at risk, uh, like my personal cash to build this company? Or am I, am I going to de-risk it a little bit with venture funding? Um, and uh, after we raised the seed round, we continued, we, we, uh, we built a first prototype within just three months. Uh, build a really solid um, pitch and um, the next investor approached us and got really interested in what we're doing. Um, they knew our background, as you said, uh, it's a little bit easier if you're a serial founder uh, to attract investors in general. And all I did was demo the product and walk them through our uh, five-year product vision. Um, and uh It, the meeting started in a very relaxed fashion. I think uh, I know that uh, the investor wasn't too excited about presentation software in general. Uh, uh, they, um, <laughs> actually, the investor is Neil Reimer, uh, the, the founder, one of the founders of Index Ventures. And he said to me after the meeting, like, boy, when I got here, uh, I thought... I'm falling asleep when I heard this is like presentation software. This really doesn't sound too exciting. And then I, uh, then I went through the uh, product pitch with him, um, told him about like all the things that we have planned, the complete platform for presentations. We're going to build, Epiput going to build analytics right within presentations, uh, distribution platform, uh, live data integrations from different data sources. He got extremely excited and understood the opportunity. And after that meeting, I said like, yeah, but sorry, I can't really take uh, take on more funding because I just raised the seed round and I think it's going to last two years. Um, um, and uh, he, he asked me then like, is there any other way we could potentially still invest in you? Because we like to optimize for opportunities rather than downsides. Like we rather invest right now than losing the deal in the, in the future. Um, and I was like, yeah, what I would offer you is to uh, invest, um, like to basically take the deal I would offer you if I would raise an A round in a year or two. Um, and he agreed. Um, and that that's uh, how it happened. Um, And then um, also the last two rounds with Thrive, Tiger, and uh, Lakestar happened in a very similar fashion. Uh, we, those firms were excited. We had established relationships from the past. Um, they loved uh, the opportunity. They, they knew us uh, and uh, were impressed by, by, I think, how, by, by the vision, by the way we built the product. And then decided to invest and, and uh, bet on the company um, uh, at a, I would say, very early stage still. Uh, I mean, technically, we have launched like eight months ago or so. Um, so uh, pitch is still uh, um, far away from being a super stable, rock solid, <laughs> profitable SaaS company. Um, and internally, the decision we've made was we knew that like the more we worked on pitch, the more we understood we're basically building multiple companies in one company. Like uh, you could say we're kind of building SlideShare built into pitch. We are kind of building DocSend built into pitch and we're building the, we're building, we are building a presentation tool into pitch. Um, 
all of those products have been independent companies in the past. And we aim to do that in, in one integrated product. Um, and it's, it, that requires uh, a lot of people, a lot of engineers, designers, etc. Um, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I think I'm a, as a founder, I always try to have cash in the bank for multiple years so I can survive uh, a, a potential uh, economic drama uh, like the financial crisis just a couple of years ago. And by the end of last year, right after, after we've launched Pitch, I thought, okay, now's a good time to raise funding again. Market conditions are ideal. We've just launched. We have great traction. We have happy customers. We have a great product. Let's give this a try. And uh uh, make sure we have enough uh, cash in the bank to to build the product we are dreaming of, and yeah. So I hope I hope this is like helpful enough for <laughs> for any early stage founder. No, definitely some amazing insights there, and obviously great advice around having you know enough cash in the bank, hopefully to you know for a few years and to survive the uh, the potential kind of ups and downs and you know things that might be around the corner. Uh, such as uh, you, you know uh, COVID and uh, and things like that. And you mentioned about the the multiple products and then needing a team that big enough to kind of work on, or you say multiple companies almost within you know kind of one company. So then speaking of of team, you you did hire you know some of the people that you worked with before or became mm-hmm. your co-founders and and probably some other members of the team. Um, but what what have you done differently? this time around uh again from what you've learned from the the first time around mm-hmm. uh, as the second time ceo so what what's what are you doing differently it's quite tricky for me to to like uh be specific about that because i feel like technically i'm doing everything differently uh, yeah. i mean wonderlist was the third company i've started uh but the very first real software startup uh that was venture backed and uh, I was uh, I was a complete newbie. I have never built such a company, and I wrote the first version of Wonderlist together with two other engineers, um, uh, myself. And I think I've grown from a um, micromanaging founder to a first-time CEO under enormous pressure at Wonderlist uh, because. We've launched the product and it was a massive overnight success. Like we were walking through Berlin and in coffee bars, like everyone was using Wonderlist. Everyone was excited about it. And I realized, oh my God, I have to build a company around this now. Uh, this is like outgrowing me almost. Um, so I, as a, as a founder, I had to build a company around Wonderlist while it was growing like wildfire. Um um, with pitch, it's a very different, uh, different, very different situation uh, because we we knew that it probably takes us two years to build the very first uh, version uh, uh, of pitch that we can launch publicly. Uh, so we were trying to operate under the radar for uh, for two years, and um, uh, yeah, then we ran a closed beta. So. Technically, I do everything differently. Like j- just this, even like picking my co-founders was completely different. Uh, I made very intentional decisions on what kind of like skill do I need in the founding team um, um, and, and chose the people based on that. Um, I personally 
uh, uh, shows at the very early stage that I want to be the CEO and the head of product, um, something that I personally was frustrated about at Wonderlist in the end, that I gave that role away to someone else who was really good at it. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I felt uh, I'm basically the assistant now of everyone. Uh, not that I want to downplay the role of an assistant, but I just wasn't happy with that role for myself. I know that I'm I'm a product person. I love product design, product strategy, uh, and I want to lead it. Um, so uh, I made that decision very intentional uh, in, in the early days. And yeah, if you, I think the way we just built this company is very, very different. Um, uh, I think actually working at Pitch is not so easy because uh, the culture we create is, is very autonomous. You kind of like get thrown into ice cold water. Uh, if that, I'm not sure if that's correct, what I'm just saying. But, um, yeah, makes sense. You, you, uh, you, you get a challenge like uh, building a new feature uh, of the product or uh, launching a new initiative, um, like the platform that we're just rolling out. Uh, Uh, we uh, we hired a great guy. John is his name uh, from uh, a company in Berlin called Dub Smash. Uh, we I tasked him with uh, you're going to build the platform for us. Um, uh, I'm going to give you all the resources you need, engineers, designers, marketers, whatever. But you are solely responsible uh, for the success of this platform. I, I all I'm going to do is advise you on product design, product strategy, that's my job, but you're going to own this. Um, and uh, I think that experience as, an, as a team member is, it's probably amazing, but also quite frightening at times. Um, and that is completely different. Uh, at, at Wonderlist, it was pure top-down leadership. It was me deciding today we're going to build this, tomorrow we're going to build this. Um, I was involved in every single like decision on like pixels, positions of buttons, etc. And it was extremely annoying for the team to work with me because I was micromanaging. And I um, thank God I learned that. Uh, I'm actually quite thankful now for having sold Wonderlist because now I can avoid making the same mistakes. Um, I still, I think, am uh, involved on 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 product topics uh at an obsessive level i guess <laughs> uh but i think also that's that's part of my success story like i can't remove that from myself i will always want to be involved in in product um and yeah and i think we we everything we're doing is is very much driven by trying to build an awesome company uh um and i would say it's now even more important for us to build a great culture than a great product. Um, we, uh, we, we pride ourselves with having an average uh, five-star rating on Glassdoor. Uh, we really try to, um, yeah, give as much as autonomy as we can to our, uh, to our team members and, uh, Uh, that is that is a fundamental difference uh, between first and second company. Picking, picking up on you, you, you sort of mentioning there that you're CEO and 
head of products, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> uh, obviously, I understand when you're you started a business and you're the, the you've got co-founders. Somebody needs to be CEO, and you you've chosen mm-hmm. that that role. Uh, and often, like the the CEO, you, you know, can be the first developer, the first head of product, or they could be the the one leading sales and so on. But at some point, they don't do the dual roles. They kind of have to give it up and you, you know get somebody else in in order to kind of like scale as as the company scales, right? Um, mm-hmm. But is that is that your your intention? Given like how much you love sort of products, do you feel that you'll have to let go of being head of product soonish? Um, what are you? <laughs> Uh, that's a great question because I'm actually going through that process of self-reflection uh, right now as we speak. I think part of the secret sauce behind our founding team is that we deeply trust each other. I mentioned Vanessa earlier, my co-founder who handles all people-related topics like recruiting and retaining talent. I don't get involved with her work very much and she does an outstanding job on that. Uh, my CTO, Adam, He's incredible. Like I don't review any line of code ever. <laughs> it's not my job. Um, but I, my co-founders, I think also deeply trust my instinct, my instinct on instinct on product decisions, also marketing decisions. I think I just, I have a good instinct. Like I'm an instinct driven founder. And I, I think if you also invest in companies if, as an, I, I, as an angel investor, always try to find founders that are, truly seem to have a great instinct for their market, for their industry. There was never a discussion about this. I think from the beginning, it was always clear that I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to uh, be responsible for always making sure there's enough money in the bank, for developing the the company vision, the business strategy, and the product strategy. But I have also always try to do this in a way that I involve everyone. Like It's not me driving the strategy or me setting the course necessarily. The way we operate is we uh, do quarterly planning, uh, yearly planning, and we debate everything, every feature we're going to launch, every every like big, bold product initiative we're going to do. And there are heavy debates. And I'm basically just the referee that ultimately has to make the decision on which course uh, we're going to take. Um and uh, yeah, I I think I'm probably the right CEO to lead this company uh, to success. I'm not sure from an operational standpoint if I can actually at all manage day-to-day product decisions. Uh, at, at some point I need, and it's not like I don't have people that help me with that. I have an amazing co-founder, Eric, uh, who I partner on product discussions every single every single day, basically. Um, and like, actually, I do this with all co-founders. Um, but um, yeah, I can see right now that Pitch has a, it's a very complex product uh, with a very big vision. Uh, therefore, we have to uh, hire a big team. Uh, we have to not only build the product, but also build the machine that builds the machine. Uh, And um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what is the ideal leadership structure going forward. Do I need to hire a leader for the commercial side of the business, for example, so I can focus more on product? Or do I have to hire a head of product uh, 
that I can partner with and uh, yeah, takes to takes over the day-to-day -day responsibility of managing all product managers, basically. Um, yeah, but that's a uh, that's I I would say the the natural path of any founder and CEO. Uh, I think every CEO has has a specific strength. Like some founders are incredibly good at selling product set to like other businesses. They're just completely business driven, revenue driven. I'm obviously a product uh, person and um, therefore I need to figure out like when is the right time to hand things over uh, at least in some capacity. But we'll see, uh, ask me in six months again. <laughs> I will. I, I, hopefully, I can I'll ask you at, at Sastokamia uh, uh, online in October, and uh, and see um, uh, where where you are then. And uh, sort of just conscious of times. So I think hopefully, uh, time for one last question. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and really, this is around this sort of like acquiring customers, your lead gen, your sort of go to market model. Now, you, you said earlier about Wonderless, uh, you know, being quite early in the app store riding the wave of like, you, you know, the app store and, you know, you know the, some of the success obviously being a great product, but, um, you know, being built on, on the back of like, you know, the growth of Apple and the app store. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, I believe that, that that's how, how you, you put it. But this, yeah, this, exactly. this, this time with pitch. So how are you, you going to get like, what's the growth sort of plan, the go-to-market plan? How, how, how is this uh, uh, coming about? So you've, you've got however many, billions of users or millions of users of, of PowerPoint, <laughs> like, you, you know, how, how is this, uh, this going to grow? Um, what, what's the plan? <laughs> um, well, I have to, uh, I have to choose my words carefully because I obviously don't want to reveal my entire <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, strategy, but uh, we at the start, as I said, we, we understood that we're going to have to work on this product for at least two years until we can launch it. Um, and I, I was actually seeking advice from the founder of Zoom, who was an angel investor in pitch on that. Like I asked him, how long did it take to build Zoom until you could ship it to customers? And he said two years. So I gave myself the same benchmark and said, okay, in two years, I want to be ready. Um, after um, I think one and a half years or so, we felt like, okay, the product is in a really good state. Uh, it's usable. Um let's get the first teams on it. Um, and that decision was driven by one of our engineers who said like, why are we even waiting? Like this product is ready. Um, and I thought that was a really good, uh, really good thought. And we just invited uh, users um, and worked with our customers and users at that time to improve the product. We just listened and listened and listened and tried to make better decisions on product. Um, uh, then a year later, we we just invited our waitlist. Um, can't remember how many how many people that those were. Probably like eighty thousand or so um, that registered during two, those like two years uh, before we've launched. We invited them. We obviously got a lot of signups from just that uh, launch activity. Then we publicly announced the product. We got some press, some attention. Um, and then thankfully users just started sharing pitch decks uh, with each other. And that obviously was the bet we've made from the start. If we build a product that is uh, optimized for teams, then uh, people are just going to share this product in a viral way. Um, 
And um, I think uh, right now we we try to grow organically. So most of the growth we see is is purely organic. We've experimented a little bit with paid marketing uh, to accelerate growth, but I feel like give us one or two more years to perfect the product. And then we can heavily invest into uh, acquiring customers in the future. Um, Pitch uh, will launch in the Mac App Store, in the Windows Store, in um, iOS and Android stores. So we we definitely plan to uh, to like use that opportunity as well to grow the user base. But ultimately, we think users are going to invite each other because they have a great time using Pitch. The platform, the ecosystem that we're building around Pitch, the motivation obviously there is to also find new customers organically by uh, existing users, by, by, by enabling our users to share their content on our ecosystem and thereby create a viral loop. Um, and I think many other companies have, have proven that that works uh, already before us. Uh, popular examples are uh, Canva, for example, great company from Australia. Um, so I, do, I don't think there's a, there's, there will be no magic secret like what we're doing this I, I internally and also towards investors i usually say like we 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 have the usual saas playbook to for growth uh, there's uh there's no no secret sauce in growing what we have to do is we have to build the best possible product and ultimately as a product person i think it's always the best product that wins in the end um, and not the company with the best Rofex or whatever. Um, let's hope I'm right. <laughs> Christian, look, been fascinating um, speaking with you, listening to you, learning from you about your experiences of uh, doing this the second time around in, in, in SaaS. And so uh, tell us, like, where can people find uh, Pitch uh, online? Where can they find, uh, find you? Well, I uh, uh, can be found on Twitter mostly. Um, I try to respond to feedback uh, instantly, basically. And pitch can be found on pitch.com. And uh, we'd like to say, um, having spoken at Sasok in Dublin uh, a couple of years ago, you'll be speaking uh, at Sasok Amir online uh, this year, as we're not doing an in-person event uh, this year owing to uh, uh, COVID, but we'll be back in Dublin next year. But you, you, great to have you back at Sasok in October. Uh, what, what do we think, apart from uh, maybe some updates and your self-reflection around, um, you, you know, <laughs> being CEO and the head of product, um, would we uh, be looking to kind of learn from you um, uh, in October? Is it too early to say or have you had a thought about it already? Probably a little bit too early to say. I'm still still thinking about a good, a good, uh, a good talk. <laughs> Well, I think like, we've, we've got some good insights into um, uh, certainly potentially what, what that could be. So really, hopefully this is a great taster, uh, but also not only that, um, you, you know, some great lessons for everybody listening today. So really appreciate you sharing, you know, the, the openness, the, the honesty, uh, you know, the great lessons that you shared with the, the SaaS audience uh, today in the SaaS Revolution Show. So, so really appreciate that, uh, Christian Reba, uh, CEO, co-founder of, of Pitch and head of product. Um, and um, it's been great speaking to you and look forward to speaking again in uh, in October. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. 
And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world.